What's up, everybody? I am back with another edition of the Sunday Scaries Stock Talk podcast, where I am joined by Luca at Stock.Owl and StockOwl8 on various platforms. We get into the thick of it. We get into himself, uh, how he's been investing since 2001, so some of his experience, his strategy as a dividend investor, his content on TikTok and YouTube, the fellowship of the dividend group that he has created, being an investor in Dubai. How has that kind of changed his outlook on various things? Uh, you know, how he looks at the United States stock market and various other markets, uh, being a dividend investor, how he's kind of preparing for a potential market downturn. And then we transition into how he researches stock then we get into one of his holdings, General Mills. And then lastly, we wrap it up with some steps to get started and advice for new investors. So as always, this is a banger of an episode. So be sure to tune in. And as, 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 as always, I'm sure you thought I tripped up a little bit there. This is not financial advice. So please, please, please do your own due diligence and take everything that is said in this podcast as strictly as opinion and not financial advice. I repeat, not financial advice, not financial advice, not financial advice. Now let's get into the show. What's up, everybody? I am back with another edition of the Sunday Scary Stock Talk podcast. But first, I'd like to thank my sponsor, Inverse. I-N-V-R-S. It's a new social and collaborative investment research platform. You know, companies like Robinhood have increased the access to financial markets, but Inverse is trying to increase the access to high quality investment research and discussion. So anybody can get on it. It's completely free. Anybody like you or I can get on it, post anything you want, post all your financial content, financial research, It's a great platform. It's built around top-notch data and tools that you can analyze over 10,000 stocks and ETFs seamlessly and embedded into the platform. In the coming weeks, they do have a surprise for you. You'll be able to link your brokerage account and share your portfolio to maximize your credibility, along with access to clean your portfolio analytics and much, much more. I myself... Uh, I myself have been using Inverse for the past couple weeks, and I am enjoying that experience. I'm looking forward to growing my following on there, and I even have a Green Candle Investment group. So if you guys want to get in there and join my group, feel free to ping me on there, and you can join it, and we can share ideas back and forth in our own private and our public group, actually. So yeah. Get on there and join and join me and come and share some of your investing ideas. And now into the show, I have a very, very special guest. I have Luca at Stock Owl. Uh, Luca, how are you doing today? Fine, fine. Thank you, Brandon, for having me to this podcast. Uh, yeah, everything is fine. Yeah, it's great to have you on here. So um, why don't you uh, get started by telling us a little bit about yourself? So uh, you know, how did you get started investing? Was it something that you kind of, uh, you know, you can look back from like maybe your parents or, you know, some influence that you had when you were younger or something along those lines? 
uh, that kind of, you know, maybe gave you a little inclination towards investing or, uh, you know, was it school and you just kind of found your way through, uh, through that to, towards investing? No, I, I was, uh, how to say, uh, my parents was not much into investing at all. So it's something I learned by myself. But I was lucky because when I was like 17, almost just turned 18, I met one, uh, one of my relatives, I mean, one cousin of mine who told me about trading. I don't remember how it happened, but I started to get curious about this story. Uh, people trade, what is trading? And as soon as I turned 18, I opened, um, I was in Italy back then, and uh, it was not very easy to invest online. I mean, there was not much... Uh, much broker broker account so I, I was lucky that I found a digital bank who give this possibility and I start to invest as soon as I turned 18 which was uh, 2001 2002 approximately so from that moment uh, I started trading but was not very profitable at all I mean I had, I just start to buy company without thinking or also I was focused only on the Italian market because at the time this bank didn't give me possibility to invest in the United States. Uh, so there was just some random uh, buying and selling. Uh, and as you can imagine, it was quite a disaster. <laughs> but uh, it, it was the time when I started to learn about technical analysis uh, and this kind of things. Uh, and after, for a while, after some major loss, I mean, was not a big loss, right? If I think about that uh, right now, but at the time it was uh, big for me. I I stopped. I said, no, trading is not for me. I need to I need to get out of that. And I started to read more about uh, fundamental analysis. So I got more oriented into bonds, honestly. So for a while I was buying and selling, or but in general buying and holding corporate bonds. And after I switched to dividend investing mostly, so it was this was a path that uh, spread around uh, I don't know five, six, ten year maximum, and from uh, let's say eight year I am uh, focused on my strategy and I have uh, let's say I open my portfolio. I'm keeping increasing my my portfolio as soon as I have some money I put inside and. Uh, up to now is going good so i closed my trading uh, period and it was it was not for me and when people ask me about and on time to time on social when i do some live or stuff like that they ask me about uh, what about trading and i i, I try to close the, the subject because it's uh, it's really something i i decided not to do anymore so this is how i started i mean it was in some way casual it, uh, it happened just because I heard about the story of trading. I had no idea what was, but uh, after it became something, uh, how to say, is, uh, is part of my life because I understand that uh, I will not have a pension when I will, uh, when I will retire because I'm, I'm working abroad from my country. I don't have any pension fund and nothing. So the only pension I will have is my investment, uh, so my dividend portfolio, real estate investment, these kind of things. So it's quite important for me to be to be on top of that because uh, otherwise I will never retire. And that's that's somewhat true now, unfortunately, as, as the way it is. But it's interesting because you have, uh, you know, quite a bit of experience. You've, you know, invested through 2008 crash, 
And now, you know, you've kind of experienced the COVID boom, COVID crash, um, and all the, and everything in between. Um, so you, you know, you bring a unique perspective in the fact that I think a lot of creators and a lot of people that, uh, you know, create content around this space uh, are usually, you know, a little bit younger, kind of just started investing. They just started figuring it out. And uh, yeah, and then they decide to share their ideas on, you know, YouTube, TikTok, what have you. But you have been, uh, you know, sharing your ideas on YouTube and TikTok and actually have grown a pretty big audience. Um, so tell me about that. Like what kind of drove you to start, uh, you know, putting out some content and, uh, you know, recording your strategy and, and interacting with people uh, just based on, you know, investing ideas and strategies? Uh, it all started with uh, TikTok during pandemic. Like I suppose uh, 90% of the TikTok profile started. It was a time where I was working remotely from home. I mean, uh, and more than remotely, I was not even able to exit because it was a uh, quarantine here in in Dubai. So uh, I needed to to stay at home. And uh, you know, when when you are at home, there is maybe not that much job. You try to find something to do it, and I was playing with this app. I saw that there was some other creator doing some kind of uh, short video, you know, the TikTok style, and I decided, okay, why not? I, I I can do something too, based on I don't know what I what are my investment, what are dividend. My my initial goal was to explain, um, like to teach about how to start. So the idea was uh, how to open a brokerage account, uh, how to, you know, pick up some stocks, uh, stuff like that. And um, I noticed this kind of topic was become popular because at the same time there was the booming of this like Robinhood and other uh, brokerage platform. So my my channel grew because of that. And uh, after I tried to, let's say, move out a little bit from uh, just stock investing and I was talking about more in general about finance or sometimes I like to, I like a lot to like review some platform, some uh, brokerage platform or some real estate investment platform, peer-to-peer -peer lending, this kind of thing, anything that can generate some kind of income. I like to review, I like to try a new system and I like to share that uh, on TikTok and now I start to put them on YouTube, uh, on my newsletter, you know, this kind of, this kind of things. It's become some sort of a hobby, of course, because it's, it's not my main job. I do something else for a living, but um, in spare time, I, I enjoy it. It's, uh, it's something nice. I like to talk about uh, investing with uh, anybody. So um, it's a way to have a big audience and to, to share my, my ideas and also to get feedback. Why not? Yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I think, you know, for me, it was a lot of, uh, people, uh, in my life, you know, whether it was my family or, or friends, uh, had somewhat of an interest in it, but I wanted to find more people who kind of had the, uh, the drive and the, the, I guess, a deeper interest in it that, that, than I do. Um, and, you know, of course, sharing ideas back and forth, I think is really great. You get a lot of feedback. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of brilliant people out there that are on a lot of these social media platforms uh, that you can just interact with at all times. So, uh, you know, uh, and obviously growing your audience kind of helps you get get an interaction. So whether it's 
you know, I've been big on the uh, Twitter spaces and other things like that uh, lately. And so, you know, with that stuff, you get a lot of, uh, you know, feedback. You can hear various ideas, people's opinions and kind of uh, combat them. So I think overall it's, uh, you know, social media has been very great and I think it's helped me become a, a better investor. And now uh, I know you told me a little bit before this show that you started this fellowship of the dividend group, but it's not very big um, just yet. You're kind of starting it out. So what is the end goal of that? Is it more so, um, you know, is it like a telegram group or something along those lines where you kind of, uh, you know, just have like a group message with people, um, you know, tell us a little bit about the fellowship of the dividend. Yeah, this started when uh, I joined on um, Common Stock, which uh, was a surprise for me. So, of course, you, you're probably aware of it, of course. And, uh, you know, new social network about investing. So why not? It was interesting. And I saw this possibility to create uh, this uh, private group uh, to talk about different topics. And uh, I'm a dividend person, so I decided, why not, let's uh, start some kind of... Uh, some kind of a private chat group, if we can call it like that. I don't know, we can share opinion about dividend stocks or I periodically, time to time, I post my uh, what would be my dividend uh, for the next month, uh, stuff like that. It's not very popular space, of course, also because common stock is still uh, quite small. But um, I like sometimes maybe to have some discussion in private. I mean, I'm not... Uh, not uh, publishing a post or having just something for me and other people that uh, have my same point of view. Uh, where I work more is on Telegram, which is not exactly the same channel. Of course, it's two different things. One is on Common Stock. Uh, the one on Telegram is uh, uh, more some kind of newsletter. I started uh, after, I don't know, like six months I was on TikTok. It was a way to bring people out of TikTok and uh, bring somewhere else. I didn't know where. And this is why I decided to do on Telegram. And I post there my portfolio update. When I do some trades, uh, I show to them. I mean, uh, what, what I buy, what I sell, uh, stuff like that, or generic topic about how the market is going. Uh, I try to do weekly, at least uh, a weekly basis. And I post my portfolio update on a monthly basis, which I posted today, by the way. And... Um, so yeah, that's it. The, um, I, I like to have from one side the TikTok where I can do some uh, small video, but I cannot express myself uh, as much as I want because it requires a very short video. They, they need to be engaging in some way, which is the hard part. And sometimes our topic, you know, when you speak about finance, uh, it, it's quite hard to be serious uh, and be engaging at the same time. So um, I prefer maybe to post some something more in detail or more, uh, how to say, uh, I prefer to post something uh, more uh, in-depth uh, when I can write. So on uh, on Common Stock or on Telegram or stuff like that, I, I try to use TikTok just to advertise a little bit about myself, my investment style, and, and that's it. And now I switched, let's say, to YouTube, where I am posting a review of a different brokerage platform. This is where I, what I started to do on YouTube, but still, let's say, very small. And uh, let's see. Let's see how it will go. That's awesome, man. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it, TikTok's interesting. I haven't really been on it that much uh, outside of uh, friends just sending me random ones. Uh, but from my understanding, 
and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a little bit like shorter form videos, right? So it's a little harder yeah. to kind of fit in, you know, with a full long form and uh, stuff like that. You got to kind of just do those quick hits. And uh, yeah, it's like you said, maybe it's more for like building an audience and then you can put your long form stuff more on YouTube or, um, you know, writing it out on, on other platforms too. So um, like on a newsletter and stuff like that, which I think is great. I mean, the accessibility to all this content where you can like really put it out, um, I think is just, you know, outstanding. There's so many different platforms and a lot of things being improved right now where, you know, you can connect with people. And, you know, I was able to connect with you all the way out in Dubai, um, where I'm, I'm in America. So, uh, you know, I want to ask you about that. So how is it, uh, you know, your, uh, strategy of being an investor in Dubai? Uh, I know you initially said that, you know, it wasn't as accessible when you first started in around 2001, uh, when you started in Italy, but now, uh, I think that, the accessibility to stocks, uh, whether it's in the New York Stock Exchange or in other countries, uh, is is pretty open, at least to my understanding. Um, so tell me about that. Are you like mostly investing in you know, European countries, countries or uh, European companies, companies located in Dubai, or do you kind of you know go in and, and invest in a lot of the uh, American companies? Um, as a dividend investor, uh, focus is uh, 99% on the United States because the United States have a different culture of the dividend. This is what I learned uh, comparing to Europe uh, or even comparing to here to Dubai, which is even worse <laughs> from some point of view. Uh, in the United States, uh, management uh, really care about the dividend. They really, how to say, commit to pay the dividend, to pay a growing dividend sometimes. And there are really companies that are paying from more than 50 years. I mean, you, um, for sure, dividend is not, nothing sure. You know that if tomorrow the company will have trouble, they will cut the dividend. It's normal. But uh, in Europe, for example, it's different. Every year so that they will come with a different dividend. It's, it's quite hard to to predict what will be your monthly income uh, on long term. And also it's not uh, some kind of scandal if a, can, if a company cut the dividend. While in the United States, a company cut the dividend will be punished uh, from uh, in the stock market the day after will be terrific what, what will happen. So uh, I know that uh, if you want to be a dividend investor, you need to look at the United States. There is no much... Uh, there's no, not much else around, in my opinion. Even if we look at the list of companies who are considered dividend aristocrat in the uh, United States, are uh, hundreds. And if you check in Europe, uh, you can count uh, on the finger. So that, there is really not that much. And because of that, uh, most of my investments are directed, I mean, exposed to the United States. I try to invest also in companies that are international companies, so not that they are only in United States market, because I don't want to put all uh, all my net worth uh, in the United States. I mean, I like I try to diversify, of course, but um, it's hard to find that in Europe, in my opinion. I have some ATF uh, that are uh, exposed to the European market, uh, mostly on the real estate, honestly. Uh, but uh, yeah, my my focus is in the United States, so, but mostly because of the dividend, I say at uh, this point. Now, About Dubai, if I can, just one short. Uh, uh, here, uh, 
the stock market right here is uh, is not very accessible. First of all, uh, company are not free to be 100% controlled by foreigner. So there is always some amount of stock that need to be in the hand of like some government entity or some local person. And also the usual stock broker I use, for example, interactive brokers, or even if we check at Europe, like the Giro or something else, they, they don't let you trade directly in the stock market here. You need to get some kind of license. It's still uh, quite tricky for investors to access to this market. It's the easiest way is to buy some ATF from, I don't know, BlackRock or something like Vanguard, which is exposed to the market. This is the easiest way. So I'm, I'm not investing uh, in the local stocks at all. I got you. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, so I want to kind of take it back to the point you made about dividend investing in the United States. Now, um, you know, this is obviously all speculation, so you don't have to, uh, you know, if you don't know the answer, that's perfectly fine. But it's making me think that, you know, in the United States, a big reason why a lot of companies kind of come over is because of the corporate tax, how it's, uh, you know, usually a little bit cheaper uh, here in the United States than it is, uh, you know, maybe abroad in other countries. Um, So, you know, they have that. And then a lot of the upper level and like C-suite, like CFOs, CEOs, that kind of stuff get their partial paycheck in these, um, in these dividend stocks are getting, get paid by the company stocks. And if they have a dividend, um, you know, instead of, uh, the company necessarily giving them a big, bigger paycheck, they get these stocks that grow and then the dividend grows. And so their payments then increase as well. And so, you know, through all that, they're able to kind of get more of a paycheck each month, opposed to, uh, you know, maybe necessarily getting just a big salary. Um, So do you kind of think that those are two reasons why uh, dividends is a little bit you know, maybe bigger in the United States compared to in, uh, you know, Europe and other markets? Or do you kind of see another reason why? Uh, For sure, having your management exposed to the dividend and to the stock price so that their payments come from that is probably the best way to try to have a good stock performance. So this is true and it happens everywhere. Also, from my knowledge, also in Europe, uh, it's widely used for top-level management to be rewarded uh, with a paycheck plus some uh, stock option. It's, uh, I think it's widely used in all international companies. Probably in the United States, this become much, uh, how to say, it's... Um, I, I saw some uh, very... I saw some situation where, in my opinion... Uh, management uh, try to really push so much to s- increase the stock price, for example, because they are awarded in uh, in stocks. And when these arrive to the point that you endanger the company because you want this short-term return, for example, you are in you are a CEO. You know that maybe you are going to leave the company in the next five years. You will find everything you can for push this five year in order to get. Uh, as much as possible maybe you will put the company into debts uh, you don't know what what you can do and after you will just leave and take your big paycheck and leave the mess for the next one 
I'm not saying that this is happen uh, all the time. Of course, is uh, something. I mean, things are regulated. You are not acting alone. Like the CEO cannot do whatever they want, apart from some exception. But um, I think this is a way. The reason why, uh, anyway, in the United States things work differently from a dividend and from a stock price point of view. I mean, in my opinion, management in the United States is much more committed to stock price and uh, and dividend. So whatever is uh, paying a higher dividend, make a buyback program, whatever is the decision, I for sure is influenced by the fact that they have a skin in the game, let's say. And uh, this, yeah, is more popular in the United States. So most probably this is one of the reasons for that. I don't know much about the taxation point because I, I don't know how things work uh, exactly from taxation point of view in income tax uh, in the United States for dividend. I, I honestly need to document about that, but um, I don't know if it's more tax efficient. Uh, most probably yes, otherwise they will not do it. Uh, but um, yeah, I think that uh, their commitment is uh, because they have skin in the game, of course. Gotcha. Now, uh, you know, let's transition a little bit to uh, just dividend investing as a whole. Um, so, you know, I think it's, uh, it's obviously it's, it's great for the investor to have the dividend pay back. But, you know, if you think about it kind of in the broader sense, it's money that's being taken away from potentially being reinvested in the company. Now, when you look at kind of like a dividend stock, do you look at the percentage of the dividend compared to, you know, the stock price or revenue or however that they calculate how much they give you out um, and kind of see that as advantageous? Um, or do you kind of look at, I guess, the overall health of the company, uh, you know, kind of diving into the financials and then the dividend is just kind of, a, you know, a bonus to you? Um, or yeah, how do you kind of go about that? It's um, I need to balance between these two options because there is no no possible to look just at one or the other. You can just look at the dividend yield and find the amazing com company who pay a very high dividend yield, and you get all excited and you think you found the solution to all your problem. And after you see that uh, the fact that the dividend yield is so high is because the company most probably have some problem financially from financial point of view. So I try always to balance that. I, I'm not much uh, into company that pay a very low yield, even if they are a very profitable company. Think, for example, about uh, Visa and MasterCard. These are two companies I will always like to have in my portfolio. But uh, even if I know that they grow the dividend at uh, quite a high speed, like maybe plus 20% a year, 10%, I mean, something like that, uh, the dividend yield is, is very low. I consider them more of a growth stock than a dividend stock. Uh, so I focus myself about companies that have at least 2.5-3% dividend yield. And if they go higher than 6 I start to get worried. Let's say because uh, there's something in general, there is something not correct. Of course, during uh, during pandemic, uh, it was a very emotional moment, and a lot of company arrived with a very high dividend yield because just there was a sell-off without uh, much reason. Uh, because uh, yeah, for example, if you look at airline or hotels, I, I see the point. You sell off because you, you understand that this pandemic will bring. Uh, 
problem to people to travel, so to le less revenue, less profit, uh, probably less dividend, uh, stuff like that. But there are there was other company which have nothing to do with the the sector that tanked also because of this emotional moment, and that moment was the best way to scoop them up and uh, uh, take some very nice dividend yield. So uh, I always try to see one of my one type of analysis I do is uh, I, I check the dividend yield and the historical dividend yield. So when I see that the yield is going uh, higher than the average, this make me think, of course, it's not the only parameter, but make me think that the company is probably undervalued. For a, If we are talking about, you know, dividend aristocrat, their dividend yield is quite uh, uh, stable with time. So if you see that uh, growing too mu so much, it means the price of the stock is going down because it's, how to say this is how it works. And uh, this is the moment where maybe it's, it's time to take a look. While I tend not to invest in company which have a dividend yield which is lower than the average, because uh, make me think that uh, probably is overpriced. So this is a type of analysis I do. It's it's very simple, but uh, it it just helped me to do some screening. To I take the I take the dividend aristocrat list. I look through that. I check the current yield, the yield on average, the the dividend yield grow, and I see I analyze some of the stock. That I am how to say I mark down some of the stock that I think are interesting, and after that I dig a little bit more into the financials. So I see why why this stock is uh, maybe underpriced right now. What's how is going the revenue grow? How is going? Uh, the level of depths it's uh, of course is a deeper analysis that can be done but this first screening helped me a lot because um, there are hundreds of interesting company and i need to in some way do a make a watch list so this is my let's say my first step yeah I got you for sure. Yeah. And that all makes sense. So, um, you know, that, that's great kind of like insight on your strategy and kind of how you're looking at things and how you analyze, you know, dividends and financials and, and things like that. Um, but, you know, I think it's, it's kind of hard not to mention that, you know, the overall macro environment, uh, you know, last month in the United States, we see, I think, uh, around like 8.6 CPI print, massive amounts of inflation and everything from investable assets to home and food and everything like that. Um, and, you know, we're kind of seeing a recent dip in asset prices as well. Um, so are you changing up your strategy now? Um, or is there, are you kind of like preparing yourself for a potential recession? Uh, some people, you know, say that we're in one, you know, whether we are or we aren't isn't part of this discussion is just, you know, are you kind of preparing yourself a little bit differently now? Uh, you know, as somebody who's kind of, you know, invested through the 2001.com boom and the 2008 crash, and, you know, you've seen the COVID crash already, and we're seeing kind of another one. Are you changing up your strategy at all? Um, are you kind of uh, one of those people that, you know, keeps the same strategy no matter what, because it's been working for you? Uh, mostly I would say that I keep my strategy because uh, anyway, I am investing for long term. I'm not planning to sell any of my stock uh, because of I, I don't need the money cash at the moment. So I, at the moment and for the next 
five, 10 years, I can be quite sure that I will not sell this anything in this portfolio. So I'm not that scared of a recession. I mean, of course, nobody likes to see uh, revenue dropping or uh, your uh, portfolio in uh, in red at the end of, uh, at the end of the month. No, nobody like that. I understand it, but uh, I think that on the long run uh, the strategy will work for me. Uh, the only thing I'm changing a bit is that um, right now I start again to invest into bonds, uh, especially the one I'm talking about corporate bonds. And uh, because right now that you can get very high yield for uh, for them because of course of the interest rate hike or uh, whatever reason, but at this moment the bond are really low and uh, the yield you get out of that is quite high. So I'm searching bonds with a expired date in a three, four, five year maximum. And in that case, I will feel a bit... Uh, um, safe to keep my money there so i in some way uh, instead to to invest all my paycheck all the money i have uh, into increasing my dividend uh, portfolio i start to destinate part of this uh, to increase my bond portfolio this is the only switch i'm doing but i'm not going like to sell my dividend stocks because i switch to bonds and after to buy them back i am i try to uh, to do no many trades per month. I don't like to, let's say, micromanagement my portfolio. I I let them go. I, I know, of course, that uh, some stock will perform bad. The good part, if my research was correct, is the way I'm investing was correct, I will probably be able to keep my dividend on the, on the long run. So for the stock price, I'm not so much worried. I, you know, I hope for the best in the future. Of course, I will prefer that, that uh, we are not going to a recession. I'm looking forward to the next uh, earning uh, reports. That I mean, the next uh, 30, 45 days will be interesting to see if uh, this recession fear will translate also in a dropping of revenue or is just a fear. With the, we don't know. I mean, I'm not uh, not an expert on this point, so I need to just stay invested and uh, and hope for the best from some point of view so this is, this is my strategy yeah no I, I like what you said there and i think like the biggest takeaway for me is that you know whether you're a macro expert or not it's it's very difficult to time the market and from somebody that's kind of been in you know a lot of these ups and downs and swings and what have you it might but just be a little bit easier just to kind of hold on to it, you know, like maybe you don't time the market, but, you know, like you said, if you're buying and you have like a long-term outlook, um, you know, it'll help you rest a little bit easy at night. You won't, uh, you know, necessarily stress over buying a stock when it's maybe $2 higher than the low or something like that. You know, yeah. um, it's, it's more so that you, you know, sticking to your strategy because you know, and, you know, I think the the common theme when I'm doing all these interviews and talking with people is that have your strategy, do your research and, you know, have conviction when you're, uh, you know, going through and analyzing these stocks. And through all this, uh, you, you know, that that's that's great stuff is that you just 
you know, you, you found something that works for you. Obviously, in bull markets, it, it looks really good. And in bear markets, it probably doesn't look as good. But that's generally with everything, right? So it's nothing that you can, can really control. But at the end of the day, you know that this will help you grow your wealth long term. And that's really the end goal that you have. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that's overall, it's great to kind of do that and, and kind of stick to your guns and stick to your strategy. Because I think a lot of people that you know, switch it up, they, they kind of like tinker around with it. And uh, you know, usually tinkering and, and moving yeah. things and trading a lot doesn't really give you the best results. If you change the strategy because of fear or uh, because you see, you see things that you don't understand and maybe you read somewhere or you listen to somebody... Uh, who has a strategy that look more interesting than your and you keep switching all the time, I'm quite sure the result will, will not be amazing. I mean, uh, of course, uh, the market is, uh, there is no any safe strategy that works for everybody. I mean, there is no any way to, to be sure that your investment is 100% the correct one. But uh, how to say if... Uh, for me, the company I invest in and also my portfolio, for example, is a low beta portfolio. So in general, when, of course, when the market is in a bull market, maybe my return are lower, but I'm happy like that. I'm not searching the return of uh, tech stocks. I'm, I like to look at people who get rich uh, uh, investing in some startups, uh, but uh, this is not me. I want to sleep at night. This is my pension fund in some way. I, I cannot uh, risk it in the, some uh, bet. So I keep my portfolio as a low bet, as I said. So when the market is going down, my portfolio in general perform a bit better. You know, customer staple or this kind of stock, I always perform a bit, perform a bit better during recession or a general market downturn. So in this way... I don't know, I sleep good at night. I don't need to check my portfolio every day. There are times that uh, I didn't check my portfolio for even two weeks. I'm happy like that. I'm very happy like that. If I will be every day panicking around uh, uh, plus 10%, minus 10%, I will, uh, uh, my quality of life will be much worse. So I, I'm happy in this way. <laughs> I gotcha. Well, I mean, that makes sense. And I agree with you a hundred percent there too, as well. I, I don't honestly, I don't know the last time I checked mine. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I like to kind of go through periods of time too, where I'm not really checking and stressing it out because if I check it on a day to day, I tend to have a little bit more stress with, all right, I'm losing it. But in the end, it's just kind of like paper losses, right? Because you could have invested at a low period and it's up, uh, I don't know, 40, 50%. And, you know, the recent dip, you know, maybe you're not down 40 or not up 40 or 50%, but you're still technically up and in the green. So, um, you know, I think it's not timing the market, it's time in the market. So, yeah, you know, I think, a nice uh, sentence. Yeah, I exactly. Think so yeah. now let's jump into uh, stock investing. Um, so how do you research a stock? Do you kind of, uh, you know, a researcher stock or a company, do you kind of go into an industry that you're looking at specifically and then find big companies in there? Or do you kind of look on like a more general basis? Do you look like, you know, strictly just for dividend stocks and then see like, okay, I, I kind of like this sector here or I like this one here. Uh, you know, how do you kind of find some of these businesses that you invest in? Uh, as I said, my everything starts from the dividend aristocrat list. 
which is uh, published, uh, I mean, in general, I check every month, every beginning of the month, I download the list and uh, I focus first uh, on uh, what's considered, let's say, company with at least uh, 10 or 15 years of continuous growing dividend. And from that, I filter the industry. There are different industry and I pick the one who are more interested. For example, I, I have some, uh, I don't know, conviction from my side. I don't know, but I don't like to invest into financial service and I don't like to invest into energy, oil and gas or whatever connected to, uh, let's say, oil and gas uh, stocks. So I cut them out. I'm sure there are tremendous company over there but uh, it's my decision not to invest in that and you know i i search in the list i see some uh, company who have uh, a yield as i say that is uh, higher than the average of the last four five or ten years if i can check up to that De depends from uh, how back i can go and uh, if i found this kind of stock i after i jump on uh, for example i use seeking alpha to 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 research my stock, I jump there and I start to look, you know, how is this company, how the revenue are going? We are talking about a business who is growing the revenue or is a dying business like, uh, I don't know, for example, Altria, which is a stock I own, but uh, it's a stock I recognize is a dying business. And I'm a little bit not sure what to do with this stock because, uh, yeah, the dividend is good, the dividend is safe, but, you know, as a company, the revenue are going down. It's not very nice. I always try to find company who have a growing uh, business. Of course, it's more uh, it's more interesting. I check if the company is profitable because I don't like to invest at all in company. It doesn't matter how much their revenue are growing. If the company at the end of the year don't make profit, uh, I don't like it. Is uh, I, I understand that this is not generically correct. I mean, there are a lot of company who are not able to have a profit, but they will be tremendous uh, profitable in future, but I don't prefer not invest my money in them. I mean, I, maybe I lose some opportunity, but uh, I prefer to invest a company who, who make money. And I check the level of debts. I mean, uh, how much in debts is this company? I mean, uh, I don't want that tomorrow. For example, we can talk about AT&T, which is another example of a business that maybe is not growing, maybe steady, but... Uh, level of debts was crazy and this is why price was going down and down because it was clear to everybody that most probably they will have trouble in future and i'm investing in that i mean of course i'm not happy of uh, my investment in itnt i was going yes i get my dividend dividend was cut due to the split uh, of warner media i mean uh, without entering into into that but uh, yeah, this is another example. Sometimes I do, of course, mistake. I buy stocks that uh, on the paper look good and maybe my research was not that good. So I always try to do better and better and check the, as I say, the debts, revenue growing. And I check what is very important for me, free cash flow, because I need to be sure my div the dividend is covered. So I don't check much. For example, the payout, payout ratio is not that important to me. It's more important that at the end of the year, free cash flow is more than enough to pay the dividend. Because, uh, of course, if this is not the case, I mean, it can happen one year that you have a lower free cash flow, but on the long run, need to be sustainable. Otherwise, this dividend sooner or later will be cut. 
and cut off the dividend is probably the worst thing that can happen for dividend investor. I mean, if my stock price go down, I don't care that much um, until I have my paycheck every three months. But in the moment you have a dividend cut uh, and in general dividend cut come together with a stock price that's going down is a double, uh, how to say, double problem. And uh, this is the worst thing that happened to dividend investor, in my opinion. So the dividend need to be sustainable. This is probably the, the biggest thing I try to understand with my analysis, which are not that deep. I mean, I'm not a person who spend... Uh, hours and hours uh, reading uh, reports uh, of uh, one company, analyzing uh, into uh, so much detail. I mean, I have 55 stock in my dividend portfolio. I'm alone. So if I need to research any of them like Warren Buffett does, uh, it will be impossible. So uh, I'm okay with some uh, generic check. I mean, I have some key point I like to look at. I like company which produce something that I use also. This is, I know that technically worth nothing, but uh, I, how to say, it's a stupid example, but uh, when I go fast food, I like to go to McDonald's because I am uh, shareholder of McDonald's. I'm happy with their food for whatever it is. I mean, I know, but uh, I feel good. I, I am less happy if I need to go to KFC. I don't want to go to KFC. It's not one of my stock. I am I'm very, how to say, committed as, an, as a shareholder to, to the company I own. And I try to support them as much as I can. So uh, this is another, another thing. I, I don't like to buy stock of a company that I don't like the service or the product they produce. Yeah, that's interesting because you kind of uh, brought up Warren Buffett already and you said, you know, you don't really like to research as much as he does maybe for a company, but he, you kind of have the same ideology when it comes to uh, stocks where he says, you know, buy what you use, buy what you own. Um, you know, that's kind of how, uh, you know, he, he was against Apple initially and then he kind of looked around and saw everybody had iPhones and things like that. And, you know, then he's like, all right, now I'm going to change my tune and start buying in, in Apple. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's great stuff. And, uh, yeah, so let's get into to one of your holdings. Obviously, you know, we're not financial advisors and this is not financial advice. I just like to kind of peel back the curtain here and show everybody, you know, a little bit about your strategy, um, and like one of your holdings, uh, actually, before we get into one of your holdings specifically, you mentioned that you have, I think like 55 or 53 dividend, port, uh, dividend stocks in your portfolio, uh, you yeah. know, let's let's talk about that um, because I think that's very interesting. A lot of people, um, you know, th there's different schools of thought where you know if you have a lot, not one stock is really going to you know help and shoot you up a bunch. Um, but if you have a few, you can have like one that really shoots up well, but a couple that shoots down bad, you know, and it's, it's a little bit more volatile. So, um, you know, what is kind of your reasoning and like, why do you structure your portfolio in that way where you have so many stocks? Um, the question I get the most uh, is because it's a big portfolio by number of stocks is more like, then why just don't buy an ETF? Let's do exactly your strategy and it will be much easier and uh, this I, I understand it I think that uh, uh, I like to do things by myself 
I like to do my research. Uh, I like to uh, to analyze one stock at a time. Uh, I like to to know how much money I put uh, into different stock. And most important, I like how to reinvest my dividend. I don't make uh, automatic dividend reinvestment. I get my dividend and I decide where to invest this dividend. Maybe in some of company I have that are at the moment uh, I consider right now underpriced. So it's the moment to to build a bit more or uh, I start investing some holding that are a smaller holding in the whole portfolio because I don't want each stock to be too big. Uh, I like to manage it by myself. The fact that there are many stocks um, is in some ways some sort of diversification because uh, I... I understand that uh, they look a lot, 55 is a lot, and uh, I cannot follow each stock how I will follow if I have only one. I, this, I understand it. But uh, I consider it uh, like a small ATF from some point of view. This is my small ATF, and so there is a diversification uh, also on companies, on industry and on company. I have more company in the same industry. I have uh, probably almost all industry covered, all the major industry covered. And uh, I don't know, give me a sense of uh, safety. I, I don't know if this safety is there, but it's something that gives to me uh, th- this idea. And also I try, this was something uh, I probably not respecting that much uh, if I check my portfolio right now. But when I started, I wanted that each holding was uh, lower than the dividend yield of the old portfolio with the you know i I had some kind of uh, worst case scenario that if a company go bankrupt tomorrow one of the company in my portfolio go bankrupt tomorrow with one year of dividend yield i covered my loss this is of course it's not correct it's not uh something that uh uh, how to say it's not a proper financial advice to do like that of course but uh, uh, it makes me feel safe in some way to know that uh, even if something very bad happened to one of this company nothing will happen to my money of course in case of recession or in case of an industry wide problem there will be not only one company suffering there will be many of them but uh, you know sometimes there are companies who can fall to zero from one day to another because of some scandals, something that can happen, you know. We had a lot of uh, situations like that in the past, so I want my money widely spread between uh, between many of them. I got you. That makes sense. So the diversification, I think, is, is really good, um, you know, when you kind of uh, grow your wealth, right? Because... I think uh, diversification kind of helps you keep your wealth and grow it as well. Um, whereas maybe like specializing or kind of, you know, focusing on one industry or one company or something is a way that you can really grow really quickly, but is also, you know, very risky. So it depends on the way you want, you know, your strategy to go or and other things like that. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you want to keep growing slow and steady for the long term. You know, even Warren Buffett suggests just just invest in the S and P five hundred, you know, uh, index fund. So um, that's obviously proves to be pretty good in its own right as well. So um, I mentioned it before, but let's get into one of your holdings. 
So I'd like to get into General Mills. How did you find this stock? Did you kind of find it, you know, along the lines of, you know, how you described before? And uh, what is it? What do you like about it? And uh, yeah, so so tell me about General Mills. It's uh, I I found it. Uh, I think I started uh, my position in General Mills something like. 2017 or 2016 something like that i don't remember exactly uh, of course i averaged down uh, during time i mean i didn't book only one time i this another style of investment i do i try to do dollar cost averaging when i start a position anyway yes i found in the list of the dividend uh, aristocrat company i checked the company the brand they have and i was very very happy at the beginning with uh, with general mills but uh, after uh, if you know a little bit about the stock, it has a period, especially like 2018, 2019, when the stock was down quite a lot, uh, also because they posed the, the dividend increase, which is something very bad for me. I mean, I, I was not happy because I found this company. I like it. Every, all the numbers were okay to me. Revenue, okay, revenue was not... It's an industry that revenue is not growing so much unless they can grow only with acquisition because uh, they have a portfolio of brands and, uh, you know, customer stable company, the revenue are quite predictable. You can increase a, a low one digit per year, no, no more. I mean, it's uh, already going to a more than 5% increase would be a bit strange. So. Uh, but the company made a big acquisition and uh, they started to invest into the uh, food for uh, pets. I, I don't know exactly how it's called, pet food. They purchased a brand called Blue Buffalo in, was 2018, 2019, something like that. And uh, the market didn't like much at the beginning because a uh, very expensive purchase. Uh, you need to stop the dividend increase uh, in order to finance also these. I, I was not happy with this company. But uh, anyway, for my strategy was, you know, okay, they post the dividend increase, but they're still paying the dividend. It's an investment for the future because they're increasing their, uh, their portfolio of brand. So I, I, I'm happy in general when a company do acquisition to increase their uh, portfolio, especially if you're talking about customer staple, I, I'm generally, I'm happy about that. And it turned out good because uh, from 2019 up to now, price of the stock almost double so i mean this is an example of uh, where i say before i don't get uh, i don't change my strategy because the price of uh, stock is going down i mean i i understand there is there was fear about uh, something new the company is doing an acquisition is investing a lot of money even is posing a dividend which is bad i mean for a lot of dividend investors, you expect this dividend to grow at least to cover inflation in some way, but no. And uh, But, you know, if uh, if a company stops the dividend for a reason that I that I believe in too, like, okay, we stopped because we need a little bit more money for a while. We don't want to increase our debts too much. We want to save some money because we are doing acquisition. And this will turn out good. And I mean, I, I see the point and I, I was sticking with the company. I invested more when it was down. I averaged down. Now is one of my biggest positions, General Mills. So I'm, I'm quite happy with that. And again, I started searching on the dividend aristocrat list. This is where, for me, everything starts. Because sometimes I come up with uh, 
a company from zero like maybe i saw something or i read something i see some youtube or somebody talking about a stock and in that case i go check it but it's very important for me every month to run through the dividend aristocrat list and see how the company are moving if there is something that uh, go in uh, buying territory and in that moment i start my research this is uh, how i do Gotcha. Now, what would uh, what would change your overall thesis on General Mills to kind of make you change, uh, you know, your position and maybe sell off? Uh, to be honest, of this portfolio, I never sold any stock right now. I mean, I have only one that deserved to be sold, <laughs> but I keep it there just because uh, to remind me that I need to think more when I invest. <laughs> It's a stock that is down like 70%. Thanks God, it was a very small investment. And it it has all the red flag, which is supposed to tell me, don't invest in this company, but I did it. And now I keep it there in order to remind every time that don't make like uh, <laughs> like that one. Uh, so what will what need the General Mills do? Uh, now, for example, they started again to increase the dividend. This is a great news. If I will see uh, during, for example, earnings report that we are talking about uh, uh, the fact that revenue are uh, going down, I will uh, monitor maybe for one, two, three quarters, something like that. If I see that they are not uh, keeping up with revenues, even after such acquisition. So, you know, you invest money, you're supposed to have bigger revenue because you booked uh, a big brand that is now part of your portfolio of brand. And no matter that revenue are going down, uh, I know that uh, this company showed already that uh, dividend will be one of the first thing to go. And uh, this I cannot, uh, I cannot accept. Uh, my portfolio need to bring income every month. This is the goal of my portfolio. So if I understand that the dividend is not safe, is the moment I will think about selling. Uh, it's very hard for me to sell uh, sell a company. As I said, I never did it right now in this portfolio. I, I did before uh, other type of portfolio I had. Uh, it's very hard, especially if we are talking about a uh, very big company and uh, that you believe that they are like blue chip company. You believe that at the end they will... Uh, turn around their their business in some way you know it's but uh, the idea what i cannot accept right now is the idea that my dividend will be cut or even stopped at all so this will be the it will be hard to be able to sell exactly before i discovered that because uh, there are so many people looking into and i will not be the first one to to understand it but i think already that uh, uh, Falling revenue, especially if the industry, the whole industry is maybe growing, but this company in the same industry is for the revenue are falling comparing to their peers. This is the major flag. I will, uh, uh, I will put a flag on this company. I will keep a look for two, three quarter. If I see that the, the dividend is unsustainable, I will probably uh, sell it uh, because, anyways, I have a good profit. Uh, and, why I need to lose it. So I will move somewhere else this money. Gotcha. And that all makes sense. So um, I think that's a great insight onto, you know, how you think about companies and in general mills specifically, you know, kind of di diving into those examples. 
And now, uh, you know, you've been very generous with your time. So we're going to wrap it up with two final questions. So for somebody who's just getting started, what is the, uh, you know, advice that you give them for the first step to kind of get started in investing? Uh, for me, the, the first step in investing, if you, if you are young, you don't know much about investing, uh, don't focus on picking stocks. Focus on uh, investing in an ATF, especially like S&P 500 ATF or NASDAQ triple Q, something like that. But what is the most important part, in my opinion, is to find your monthly budget. Find a number that you are sure you can invest every month. doesn't matter. It's $50, $100, $500. doesn't matter. But find this number that you are confident you can invest every month out of your salary, of your expenses. And be constant every month, beginning of the month, deploy this, deploy this money into your brokerage account, buy this S&P 500 ETF, so with dollar cost averaging is not important. And in the meantime, study. Start to study how stock work. Maybe you will get curious, so you will be interested in studying stock. And sooner or later, maybe you will jump in selecting stock by yourself. But what I found the most difficult part is to be consistent and to respect your budget. This is what people usually cannot do. They, at the end, they, ah, this month I prefer to, I don't know, go out to dinner one time more, and uh, ah, this month I will not invest. Or uh, this is the part that you need to fight. You need to fight against uh, distraction from your uh, journey, from your investment journey, and you need to be consistent with your plan. So whatever is your budget, no matter how small it is, just be consistent, do it at least for one year. Every beginning of the month, take this money before you spend in some useless uh, subscription over that I'm sure we are all, uh, this is a big problem of subscription. I don't know how many I have, but uh, try to, to invest before you start to spend it and do it for one year. This is already, you are doing better than so much people out there. I mean, uh, investing, uh, $500 a month in the S&P 500 for one year, you're already doing much better than uh, than the average people out there. So my advice is to start with that. Don't don't focus on stock picking because especially at the beginning, uh, stock, pick, stock picking is hard and having a big loss will uh, will make you drop it. Like I did when I start, when if I, instead of starting with trading, I was starting with dividend investing, Right now, I, I don't know how happy I will be, but I'm sure the will be the, the difference will be tremendous. So that's yeah. awesome stuff. And so, yeah, you answered both my questions. Uh, you know, great advice on how to get started, and uh, you know, kind of taking that first step to get over the hump. Maybe that mental barrier that a lot of people have to get started on in investing. You know, I think in the end, uh, the longer your outlook, uh, the, be the best time to start investing was, uh, you know, years ago, but the second best time is today. So whenever you can kind of get started and, and do all that, you know, I think your future self would be definitely thanking you. Yeah. And uh, there was yeah. a sentence, uh, say, I never heard any investor say that, I, oh, I started too early. <laughs> I never heard this. So uh, Today is already better than tomorrow. So start today if you can. This is my advice. Yeah, for sure. All right, Luca, thank you so much. Why don't you tell everybody uh, you know, what you got going on and where they can find you and your content? 
Ah, you can find me with uh, this um, screen name on uh, Common Stock, which is the place I use the most, uh, you know, to share my idea or to write posts on, uh, let's say, on a daily basis. Otherwise, uh, my YouTube channel or my TikTok channel is, uh, let's say, the place where I uh, invest in my time the most. Right now, I'm more into YouTube. I would like to grow more on YouTube because it's... Uh, it's more in line with the type of content I want to bring. So this will be my effort for the next uh, months, years. Uh, let's see. So you can find me there. And uh, anyway, on Common Stock, there are all my links and uh, it, will be, it will be easy to find me. For sure. And he's stock.owl for those who are just listening on the audio. And uh, yeah, Luca, thank you so much. And uh, it was Welcome. a great conversation. Yeah, it was great. I liked yeah. it a lot. Thank yeah. you, Brendan. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, and that's Bye. it for this Sunday Scary Stock Talk podcast.